Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Ho, 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 clump, clump, clump. Santa Claus up on the roof. What's he got for you? Come down the chimney. This is a new podcast episode. Wrapped uh, it up in a big box. And I said, you don't need that. It's sound. And he, he said, put the box to the left of the menorah, which uh-huh. is also lit right now because it is also Hanukkah. Yeah, no, he brought us a Hanukkah podcast, too. He, he's oh. it's weird yeah he's on it's really he seems mo- like we shouldn't need santa to bring us hanukkah well he's more of like a sort of uh, amazon zappos <laughs> oh, okay. sort of uh delivery drives around in an unmarked van etsy yeah he's doing all the, all that they keep it busy um and here's the here's the episode for you and it's the one uh that we hope you enjoy because it's holidays look around you can't deny it anymore. It's holidays. Yeah, it it snuck up on me. Uh, it's next week. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, Hanukkah. Hanukkah really took a lot of my attention. Yeah, and we've been I, hitting Hanukkah real hard. We've this been year. hitting Hanukkah hard this year, and then I, I looked at the calendar and I said, "Oh wait, guess Christmas what's is right also around the corner next week." Yes, <laughs> uh, Henry's making out like a bandit. I don't hear any complaints from him. Um, no, I, I don't know how we return to a life that doesn't involve a present every day, every night. Yeah, uh, but we'll have to figure it out. My man is. Basically like a vampire with the amount of attention he applies to the setting of the sun. Because that is, <laughs> that means it's Hanukkah time, baby. Yeah. Uh, or as uh, my small wonder, uh, Smokey Robinson on that one cameo <laughs> would call it Chinooka. Uh, it's very powerful and very pure. If you have not seen that now viral tweet, it is a genuinely sweet story about Smokey Robinson who... There's a way he says the word Hanukkah that uh, is altogether new, bold, <laughs> I, and invigorating. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that that was just a spelling he was not familiar with. Sure, yeah. Uh, but it, it hits it hits hard. <laughs> pretty surprising. Context clues, I think, would lead one in, in a certain way, but Smokey Robinson just barrels on through, and God bless him. Yeah. Uh, do you have a small wonder? I want to talk about that vaccine rollout. That vaccine. Seen rollout, it's coming for you. So, but it's good to come for you. <laughs> so many like great pictures and videos of healthcare workers getting this vaccine yeah. and people that are at very high risk of exposure getting this vaccine. Yeah. It is it's a nice way to kind of close out this terrible year. <laughs> there was a video of uh like a, a man in like his mid eighties in London who was one of the first people to receive the vaccine in London, and he goes off on the best story ever like yeah i went in and they had me wait a while and they said okay come back here in a little bit and so i went out for a lunch or just a terrible sandwich (laughs) like he goes so deep on his like kind of okay day and then he's like yeah and then i got it and it didn't really hurt like you fucking rule (laughs) i i have noticed that a lot of you know the news media have been asking people to tell their story of getting the vaccine and for anyone that has gotten a vaccine before it is a you know, two second process. Yeah. So I imagine he was told to expand. Yeah, and sure. Really, just enjoyed that it's very process. Very pure. <laughs> uh, you go first this week. What do you? Uh, what's what's on deck? Uh, so my first thing uh, is inspired by a few recent uh, discoveries. It is the abandoned water park. Okay. So we months ago, when it first came on HBO Max, watched Class Action Park. Right. Enjoyed it. 
uh, very much and then watched mostly it because of Chris Gethard, yeah. who is uh, absolutely hysterical in that in that documentary. He's inc- he makes the whole thing. Yeah, like if it weren't if he weren't in it, I I don't know if I would recommend it so heavily. Yes, uh, and then we watched it again when my parents came to town for Thanksgiving, and then we. Uh, kind of stopped talking about it and then one of my friend's husband posted another abandoned water park <gasps> that uh he had been reading about called Ebenezer Flop and Slopper's Wonderful Water Slides. Holy <laughs> shit. What? What? What what what? What? Uh one more time. Hit me again one more time with that. Ebenezer Flop and Slopper's Wonderful Water Slides. Flop and Sloppers? This sounds mm-hmm. like a fucking Joke name that we would come up with. (laughs) Uh, Thank you to uh, my friends Amy and Patrick Dean for sharing this on social media so that I could find it. Uh, not intentionally for me. They they mentioned that they have been singing this around their house in the style of Alexander Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Um, I don't know if you if you had like abandoned artifacts in your area that people would explore. Hmm. Um, I remember hearing this about this a lot when I was like a teen and there wasn't a lot you could do. Like friends would go find like old buildings and explore them. Oh, sure. I mean, West Virginia, there's a very famous abandoned asylum in West Virginia that I think like all those like ghost hunter shows and the MTV fear yeah. show. I forget what it was called. All went to my brothers went to it one time. I was always too young whenever they were venturing out uh, to it. But yeah, I mean, we always had just a bunch of pseudo abandoned stuff. Like we there was an Olympic pool that I think was like closed for a couple of years. So folks would just break in there and run all run all hither and yon. Yeah. So we had in St. Louis, we had something called Wet Willies. Okay. Uh, which was uh, like 16 acres of land right near the uh, Six Flags. Okay. Like right across the street, basically. Uh, And it was just one of those like big two concrete slide kind of places uh, that just disappeared uh, without a lot of fanfare and sat vacant for a long time. I was looking and I saw there was a proposal to annex the area and turn it into a large office building in 2009. Yeah. I don't know if that went through or not. But, I mean, that's the thing about a water park. Like, an old abandoned building, you can knock down and put up another building. Like, a water park is a lot of real estate. Yeah, sure. And a lot of, like, construction that went into these very specific slides that you can't easily convert <sighs> into, like, an Arby's, you well, know? Well, <laughs> spiritually also. Nobody wants to be in charge of the bulldozer that knocks over a big water slide. Like, yeah. what a fucking bummer that would be. You know what's interesting? So, back to Ebenezer Flop and Slopper. Please. Please take me back there. <laughs> So I did some some research on this water park. So this is was in Oak Brook Terrace, Illinois, uh, near the intersection of Route 38 and 83. So this uh, was originally a gravel pit and then a landfill uh, in the 50s and 60s, uh, known uh, familiarly in the community as Mount Trashmore. Okay. Uh, when the landfill reached ground level, it was covered in concrete and then left unused until the late 70s. Where which, they built a water park on top yeah, of it? Yeah, at which point 
Uh, so this is the Robinette family that owned the Mount Trashmore. Uh, Mark Collar, who had his uh, water slide in suburban Kansas City, was driving along the highway and saw the big hill and, and signed an agreement with the Robinette family to build two water slides on the property. Okay. Uh, the park's name came from a story Collar's brother-in-law had told him about meeting a man in Joplin, Missouri, named Ebenezer Floppin. Oh, okay. So the slop they just kind of tossed on there for funsies. Yeah, just to kind of keep the rhythm going. Yeah. Uh, So the park opened in 1980 with two 800-foot concrete slides. You Uh, you said that many times now, and I'm struggling with what that means exactly. Concrete water slides? Yeah. So you're just going down on concrete and water? Well, so there's a rubber mat involved. Okay, still, shit. This was true with Wet Willies, too. You would be given a mat when you entered the park, and it was your responsibility to hold on to that mat. What fun! What fun! (laughs) This babysitting project, this school home (laughs) economics project you've given me, where, oh, and you're saying if the rubber mat goes out from under me while I'm on the the slide, then all my skin comes off? Yes. That's fun! Yeah, so so Ebenezer Flop and Slobber's wonderful water slides. Oh my god, it's so every fucking time you say it, it's so it's like the first time. Uh, as I mentioned, opened in 1980. Uh, after two years, Collar sold the park, uh, having paid for the installation costs. Uh, and then in the 80s, they added five additional slides, and the slides were lined with blue rubber foam. Oh, babies, fucking participation <laughs> trophy snowflakes. <laughs> Um, around 1987, they added, uh, like various, like what they call in the Wikipedia entry humps and bumps (laughs) 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 and they incorporated the inner tube and they renamed it Doc Rivers Roaring Rapids Water Park. Oh, snore. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh, it closed in 1989. The site is still owned by the Robinettes who operate a demolition business. Huh? Isn't that, th- isn't that like it must have sentimental value because they have the equipment to tear it down? Yeah, but it is still there vacant. Um, from what I can tell, there's there's fully graffitied slides and trees growing through them, and it just is there. And they just spend all their time trying to keep people out. I'm telling you, it's it's they get in the bulldozer, they drive up to the big fun water slides, and they say, "I can't, I just can't do it." I just can't knock down this this <laughs> edifice of fun. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know if they made Ebenezer Flop and Sloppers t-shirts, but how great would that be? Oh, I would. Oh, I, I got to get on the eBay. We have to get on the eBay. <laughs> um, I I don't know if this is the reason for all of the the demises of the water parks. I mean, there's a variety of reasons. Obviously, one is that they are incredibly dangerous. Yeah, we we joked about <laughs> the class action park is, references a, a water park slash car park action park called action park in new jersey in new jersey yeah. that the, the documentary is fun because it's like look at this hugely irresponsible place where all these you know uh weathered new jerseyans and new yorkers would uh come to risk their lives and you're like oh that's fine and then people do eventually there there are fatalities and then the movie gets significantly less fun uh but yeah i have to imagine any water park that closes 
has something that yeah. happened. Well, and the other thing that happened, uh, and I'm intimately familiar with this because it uh, really started in St. Louis, but uh, Six Flags started using its own brand to have their own water parks. Right, yeah. So Hurricane Harbor started in 1995, and then in 1999, Six Flags St. Louis was the first Six Flags park to construct its own intra-park water attraction. I feel like every every place, for me, it was Kings Island. Kings Island had their own like, yeah. water park section. Yeah, Six Flags purchased existing water parks, uh, and then in St. Louis started building them yeah. attached to their own. So that that may be part of the reason they closed too, as well as that like you know this big huge chain that right. like had all these protocols and infrastructure in place opened. And if I'm a parent choosing which one to send my <laughs> <Yeah>. child to, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah. So that I don't know. There's something. There's tons of these all over the world. You can find online just these photos of these like relics. Uh, a particularly interesting one, Lady Dolores Water Park. Uh, they rebranded so many times and used it for various events like <sighs> raves and skateboard competitions and just trying to find ways to reuse these slides. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. Um, can I tell you about my first thing? Yes. I have a question for you first. Um, do you know anything about hackers? Like, can you jam with the console cowboys in cyberspace? <laughs> Have you ever read Neuromancer? Ever experienced the new wave? <laughs> Next wave? Dream wave? Or cyberpunk? I didn't think so. I was not aware of this clip until I met you, by the way. It, this segment's not about the clip. It's about the the, the uh, cyberpunk genre. Uh, but, I God, I do love... That's Julia Stiles in, in uh, Ghost in, Rider, in right? Ghost Rider, yeah. uh, just really giving in a, uh, an amazing performance. Everybody talks about that quote. They don't talk about the thing that comes next, where they're like, how did you learn about this stuff, Julia Stiles? And she's like, in here, at the internet, where they only judge you for your words and your thoughts and not what you look like. Wow, damn, Julia. Uh, So Cyberpunk, there's a game that just came out called Cyberpunk 2077. That is not my wonderful thing, because the game is uh, on virtually every level an enormous mess. Uh, But it did remind me that I do enjoy this genre a lot. Although, like, mea culpa, I also recognize that there is a lot of sort of toxicity that came out of the cyberpunk genre, because it is largely about misanthropic dudes who become messianic figures because of their like computer know-how yeah that's a minefield right there that's a minefield (laughs) right there um but there's a lot else about the the genre like it's aesthetic and the concepts behind it and the reason why it sort of came about that i find like really really interesting have you ever read anything like uh have you ever jammed with the console cowboys in there (laughs) no i i i yeah I don't know. There's there's a certain kind of like sci-fi that appeals to me and that it does not fall in that category. Yeah, it's interesting because it is cyberpunk was sort of created as a contrast to the sci-fi that had come about at that time. Like the big sci-fi works that you got from like Isaac Asimov who did the iRobot uh, uh, series and he did uh, Foundation which was this huge no pun intended like foundational uh, space sci-fi series and Dune, uh, all of the yeah. many, many Dune books from Frank Herbert. Um, but a, a lot of the times whenever sci-fi authors would write about the future, 
it was viewed through like a far future outer space lens or through through a somewhat like utopian lens. And cyberpunk was like, let's do the exact opposite where it's on Earth, near future, yeah. dystopia. Does the Matrix count as the this? Matrix absolutely counts okay. as this. Matrix was informed by a lot of these formative like cyberpunk works that I'm going to talk about, but okay. also in a lot of ways like became a a very important like cyberpunk work. Yeah, uh, I I think you don't get quite as much as the aesthetic of like the dystopian future world as much as you get that like weird robot apocalypse shit. But a, a lot of the concepts of like consciousness and uh that consciousness existing on the internet essentially is like super 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 the matrix a lot of the the concepts of cyberpunk are about how society is transformed through like unchecked technological developments and how corporations can sort of seize those as a means of like taking control of literally every aspect of society which is i think an exaggerated version of what's actually happening a little bit like uh and 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 so the protagonists in in these stories are often these like anti-heroes who are rebelling against these these systems who that have like marginalized them and disenfranchised them uh, and sort of concentrated power uh, into the hands of people who have taken advantage of these like technological developments, uh, which is where you get the punk in cyberpunk. It's like never a cool, like wealthy person who's like doing cool shit. It's always these punks who are trying to dismantle the system with their you know technological know-how um and the the genre also leans a lot on like film noir and like detective fiction uh things and deals with stuff that had been dealt with in other like older sci-fi things like ai and like uh altered consciousness and post-humanism but it does all that stuff through a lens of like it's 50 years from now and it's in earth and everything is super, super shitty. Um, so the big inspirations for cyberpunk, there were two kind of big ones, uh, blade runner, which was based a, a film based on a Philip K. Dick short story. Have you ever seen blade runner? Uh, either of them, I guess. No, oh, I haven't, man. They're fucking cool movies. I don't <laughs> even, I don't even love them a lot, but, um, I think that they are so unique. And so like you watch them and see how it is the Bible for, all of these different things that came after, and it's so rad. And as Miss Styles referenced, uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson, who was actually working on that book when Blade Runner came out, and he was like, "Well, shit, everybody's going to think I copied Blade Runner." Yeah. And he almost didn't release the book. He was like, "This is going to ruin me. Everybody's going to call me a plagiarist." So he rewrote the book like a dozen times uh, until he came out with it, still thinking like, "This is going to suck." And he put it up, and it became the like Rosetta Stone for all cyberpunk fiction that came after it. Like to a weird extent where anything else you read will have terminology that William Gibson like established in Neuromancer. Things like flatline instead of things as small as that insisting they died, they flatlined like cool cyberpunk shit like that. It's just everybody aped it so much so that my favorite cyberpunk book is by um, uh, Neil Stevenson and it's called Snow Crash, which in a lot of ways is like a parody uh, or like a... um, uh, what's the word? A satire on cyberpunk because oh. it goes so fucking wild in in that direction. I saw somebody refer to it as like the um, uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, the way that those movies oh, like yeah. have takes on genre, but at the same time are very much like entries in those genres. Like Snow Crash starts out with this like incredibly intense, bleak 
like samurai street fight pizza delivery, which is like, okay, you got, I didn't recognize at the time when I first read it that this was like so intensely cyberpunk that it was kind of a joke. Uh, but man, I really like that book. But like all my favorite, like so many of my favorite stories, like the Matrix trilogy for sure. Uh, Akira, which is this like absolutely remarkable uh, anime and manga series is like super, super cyberpunk. Oh, I didn't know that was cyberpunk. Absolutely, sure. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic, with uh, Keanu Reeves. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. That movie's not great, but also a I fucking have. trip. Uh, there's a movie that came out in 2018 called Upgrade that I really fucking dug that was like almost a horror movie that is uh, like super, super cyberpunk. I don't know. This is a weird thing, right? Because the stories often like don't actually do a lot for me because they are that like, I, I think there was something noble about it back when the genre was first coming out of this idea of just like, there are a lot of, uh, trends that we are seeing with regards to how power is concentrating around whoever can like seize the technological power of the day or or take advantage of whatever new developments there are, which is for sure certainly still happening. And back then it was like, we're going to fucking fight the system, man, because we're punks. And, but then it kind of did turn into like, I'm a loner. While you were, stu- while you were hooking up with... Babes at parties. I was studying the blockchain, and you know what? There's there's a lot about Mr. Robot that is inspired. Absolutely, there is. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like aesthetically cyberpunk, but it was. Yeah, here's one loner who's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he oh. has the hacker skills to overthrow this right disgusting monopoly. That doesn't do a lot for me because of I think the type of person that it has informed. Yeah, but man, I don't know. Play, playing this cyberpunk game, which is a fucking disaster, but like the the city looks so cool. Like the dystopias that they create are so weirdly alluring. Like I would never want to live in them because they seem like a, a genuine hellscape to be in, but watching Blade Runner and seeing like, Oh fuck, that all looks so cool though. That all looks so rad. The aesthetic is like so up my alley. I just pictured like a West side story scenario where steampunk and cyberpunk battle. I mean, steampunk came out like every blank punk that came out after that came like was a sort of like take on cyberpunk mm-hmm. it was like steampunk is we're gonna fight the system of people who have taken advantage of steam-powered technology <laughs> to seize control of the world uh-huh. uh, i guess you could do that with anything hydropunk hydropunk is fucking cool i just said that that's yeah, a, we TM, have a, TM, TM. we gotta fight the hydroelectric dam <laughs> <laughs> i guess something like uh water world is hydropunk yeah. it really is actually now that i'm saying that yeah and then like uh mad max it would kind of be hydropunk too but it's more desert punk mm. i don't know mm. anyway hey can i steal you right away yes into please the cyber future check in to the advertisements It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time? Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible! That's um there for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow. background. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Oh, it's Jumbotron time, ain't it? Oh, check your clock. It's time for Bumbo Bombs. Here is a message for Leslie. It's from Allison who says, We met when you decided to wear a Mabim Bam shirt to a Nicolas Cage-themed burlesque show. What an amazing way to start a friendship. I am so excited to visit you again the minute that Americans are allowed to back into Canada. I love our friendship, except for that time you told me about the Omegaverse. What the fuck, man? Love, Allison. Uh, that's delightful. Got a birthday coming up December 28th. So I celebrate that. And also, I feel like wearing a Bim Bam shirt to a Nicolas Cage-themed burlesque show is... I imagine everybody there was wearing Mabim Bam merch. Oh, it seems like our type of people. So many face-off references. Absolutely, there are. Uh, can I read this next one? Yeah, please. This is for Alex. It is from Alex. Hi, Alex. This is you from the past to congratulate you on moving out and making your own life choices. Guess what? You're great. And chosen family is more important than blood family sometimes, and that's okay. Love from past Alex, and yes, there's a lot of Alexes, but this is from you, the one with stuffed animal named Bobo. I mean, that's great and a, a beautiful message, but also, Alex, you got to think about the law of large numbers. There's a <laughs> lot of Alexes out there. Yeah. There's a lot of Alexes out there who have stuffed animals. The odds that another one of them doesn't have a Bobo? Are, I know. Are, are like nothing. I like thinking about the like the line graph of Alex's are like, oh, this isn't me. But wait, wait it a still minute. is. And wait, it still is. Did I do this? <laughs> uh, for those of you that are interested in doing uh, personal messages in the new year, you can still enter the drawing uh, you have until December 29th to uh, 
share your information and see if you can get a chance to get a personal message on Wonderful. Yeah, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron Drawing. Thank you, Rachel. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if your name gets picked, you can uh, you can do a message for 100 bucks. And uh, yeah, may the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> hey, I'm Janet Varney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. What is your second thing? My second thing is the tamale. Oh, shit. Yes. Can I tell you something? We yeah. uh, Central Market is a grocery store here in Austin that's like the fancy HEB. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and they do holiday dinners. So you can just like reserve one, swing by the day before. We did it for Thanksgiving so because we didn't want to mess with it. And they're doing one for Christmas. And uh, so I, I did reserve a ham because we wanted it. It's just us for Christmas. But damn it, we can still have a big ham and some sides. And what I loved is one of the other options on there is like six different kinds of tamales. It's like, fuck yeah, Central Market. They did know exactly you, what's up. Did you up. do it? Did you do it? I didn't. Well, we already have tamales in the fridge. If we want tamales, we can eat those tamales. Yeah, but you know how many of those you can eat in one sitting? Like 60. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> exactly. Damn it, I should have. It's, it's not too late. I yeah, can we alter can still do it. Ham and tamales? Ham and mashed potatoes and tamales? I mean, we can have them at separate meals if that makes you uncomfortable. You're right. You're right. Anyway, tamales. (laughs) Uh, So this is like a a Christmas holiday tradition that I was not familiar with until I moved down south. Are you? I know about it in Chicago because because of the tamale guy. Uh, That makes sense. did Did you ever get tamales from the tamale guy? No, I think I just lived in a different part of town, and so oh, I didn't man. have the access. Literally, like, there was a bar, I can't remember the name of it, it was something ca- like playing card base, like the Four Jacks or something like that, that we would go and do karaoke at sometimes, and literally every time I was there, he would roll up with his hot box of great, great-ass tamales, Yeah, <laughs> that when you're, like, when you've had a couple drinks and it is negative 10 degrees outside, there is nothing better than a yeah. like boiling hot little tinfoil wrapped tamale in your hands. Uh, tamales are are a, a food item from the Latin tradition that uh, vary a lot depending on where you're from. Um, most often it is uh, just kind of a, a filling uh, that is wrapped in a husk or a leaf and steamed. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that we're familiar with here in Texas, uh, have the, uh, the masa. That good masa. Uh, and then they have the, the corn husk, but, um, you can also, depending on where you're from, you can get it in a, uh, banana leaf. Oh, interesting. The masa is basically just a thick ass crumbly tortilla that isn't like fully set, basically. Yeah, and and uh, it's a whole process. Oh, so. for sure. That's why they make them a thousand at a time, is because yeah. it would be a pain in the ass to do them, you know, a la carte. 
Yeah, because you, I mean, you not only have to get the masa in shape, you have to get the the filling in shape, then you have to like wrap them in the leaf, and then you have to steam them, and you can form a whole assembly line. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of times this is something that that families will gather together to do around the holidays, and they will make them in bulk, and they will eat them for a very long time and or share them with friends and other family members. Yeah. Yeah. in Guatemala, you eat them at midnight on December 24th and the 31st. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, They there's something you can find them here at the uh, HEB. You can find them like frozen. But more often than not, people are looking, they're looking for that handmade. They're looking for yeah. the hookup uh, around this time of year. There's also a lot of just like on the street vendors here. I think Tamale Guy like stands out in Chicago because he's like uh, a magical elf that can teleport uh, all across town and hit every single bar in one night, much like Santa Claus does. But I mean, you wander around downtown here too, and you can very easily snatch one up. Um, Tamale's originated in Mesoamerica as early as 8,000 BC. Wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, they, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like it's wrapped in a banana leaf or a corn husk and you can you can carry it around. It's transportable. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, it's like gogurt. <laughs> it's like Mesoamerican gogurt, if you think about it, but way better. Is that how you you just squeeze the bottom? Is that how you're eating? Is that not how you're supposed to do it? <laughs> you squeeze it out of the bottom like it's a push pop? Um, I will say there is also a version. Uh, in Puerto Rican uh, people will eat something called pastels, which have no masa whatsoever. It's like oh, a it's different, just pure filling? Yeah, it's a different combination of ground ingredients. Um, but it's, you know, the same kind of... I would I would go I would go vehicle. for that. Yeah. I would need yeah. a I would need a dip for that, I feel like. I think there's something like so uh delightful and surprising because because of the way it is put together, you really have no idea kind of what you're going to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh I have read a lot about, you know, people I mean, obviously it varies so much family to family and region to region, and so everybody kind of bites into it remembering the last time they had a tamale uh-huh. and deciding whether or not this is actually going to be the same experience. There was a place we used to get uh like chicken mole tamales, which is just like a hat on a hat of just like food jazz just like holy (laughs) shit the mole is like its own unique thing and the very unique tamale that you've made too and there's nothing like it in the whole world yeah um i so tamale is an anglicized version of the spanish word tamal um you know when you pluralize it you you add the es and english speakers interpreted the e as part of the stem rather than the plural. oh that sounds so like that's us. why we say tamale instead yeah. of tamal we done done it again <laughs> uh but yeah this is this is a cool thing just like for me growing up having those family meals were pretty much you know everybody's coming together they're making food uh, it's an enormous meal and an enormous task and kind of growing up with the same thing every year to find out about this tradition was very exciting. Yeah, for sure. And obviously to have the taste experience was just as good, if not better. I'm not, I'm going to add tamales to our, our order now. Cause okay. now it, if I don't eat tamales in the next like 10 days, I'm going to go berserk. <laughs> um, Hey, can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. It's a music one. It's a band called Churches. 
called and a lot of people see the name and they say Chiverches because there is a V in there, but the V is pronounced like a U, like you would see it like in the old in, times. In the old times, like where you, I remember there's a building in Huntington, I think like the courthouse or something that has like the inscription over the doorway with the V's for U's, and it always like as a kid walking by, it was like fucking did it wrong. <laughs> That's a V, guys. The U has the curve on the bottom, but nice try. Somebody should clean up this town. Uh, I've actually talked about them on the show before because they did a collaboration with Wednesday Campanella that I think I played on the show back when I did a segment on them. Uh, They are a Scottish synth pop group that just really checks all the boxes for the things I like about like pop music. Uh, They also weirdly, I would say, kind of have cyberpunk vibes. (laughs) Like, I think they did a song in Drive. I guess Drive wasn't cyberpunk, but it had that, like, 80s synth feel that, like, Mm -hmm. really reminds me of, like, Blade Runner. Uh, So they are a trio. There's Ian Cook, Martin Doherty, and Lauren Mayberry, who's, like, the front woman vocalist for the group. Uh, And Cook and Doherty started out playing in, like, bands all the way back in college, like, a lot of them, but didn't have the sound that they liked until they bought like an old Moog synth from the 80s and started to mess around with sounds like that. They found Lauren Mayberry, who was the drummer and singer for like a rock group. So like this genre was nothing any of them had any experience with, but they like fell in love with it and got like really, really hardcore about like this band, even though they'd been in a bunch before, just because of the sound that they discovered, which I always like really think is the coolest. I imagine being in a band like that and having that excitement of like, oh, that sound! We finally found that sound! Uh, Lauren Mayberry was actually supposed to be the backing singer, but then the other two heard her sing, and they were like, oh, n- never mind. <laughs> you're in charge now. You're, you're gonna do the singing now. Uh, her voice is, like, out of control, like, super, super, super powerful. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of has to be, because she's singing over these, like, very, let's say, assertive 80s yeah. synths. Um, and the name, Churches, they all just, like, liked it. They thought it was evocative, but they didn't want to lose... SEO to actual churches, oh, hence the yeah, V. Oh, yeah, that's smart. Uh, there's also a sort of like micro genre called Witch House, which is like um, like chopped and screwed hip hop beats and grungy synths with like occult vibes all throughout that they were also kind of in, into, which the V was sort of referential to. Lauren Mayberry did an interview where she said, we did consider putting upside down crosses at either end of our name, but that would have dated us, I think. Uh, <laughs> so if, you, if you've heard one of their songs, it would probably be The Mother We Share, which was like their big breakout hit here in the States uh, and like basically launched them into the States. They did South by Southwest like a few years in a, in a row and took home like all these awards from, from doing those shows. Uh, but their favorite album of mine um, came out in 2015 and it's called the every open eye and every song on this album. It just like just rips. Like it just hits that super big 80 synth sound uh, and it has the most danceable like hooks imaginable. I got to see them in concert a few years ago. It's the only concert I think I went by myself because we had tickets, and I think you were like very pregnant with Henry and just didn't like didn't want to go. And so it's the only concert I ever went to by myself, and I was all nervous, but I had a fucking great time because the music was just so fun and the audience was really into. Um, and my favorite song off that album is called Clearest Blue, which I'm gonna play right now.
what I really, really like about churches is how um, like steady they are, how reliable they are. Like they are really good at making this kind of music. And unlike a lot of other like artists and bands that I really like who make stuff I really like and then take big swings away from it to like experiment with other stuff, which is totally their prerogative. And I would never be like a dick and say like, just do, just play the hits. Trish is like, just continues to kind of hammer down on this synth pop genre that they have proven that they are really, really, really good at making. Um, what they explore instead are like different like themes and like uh, lyrical ideas and inspirations for the songs, which range from, uh, so Graves was the unlikely um, theme song to the latest season of Terrace House. Uh, in Japan, in America, we got a- another sort of like uh, extreme music, uh, like not knockoff, that's a mean way to talk about the music, but it wasn't, they don't do licensed music like they do in japan where they had the taylor swift yeah they had, we are never getting back together for like the first season of terrace house um and that song is about like gun violence in american schools so it's like watching <laughs> you know uh 20 somethings in tokyo trying to find love to to this song um but the song i want to play now is uh, off their 2018 album love is dead it's called graffiti and it's all about just like the slow dissolving of ill-fated young love uh and but it like is a bop so i'm gonna play it now Yeah, I just really like them. Like they, uh, they're never the first band that comes to mind when I think about my favorite bands. But like, when I think about how almost every musical artist that I like has made like a whole album that I just didn't care for because it wasn't kind of what I wanted from them. Like Churches just bangs out really, really good synth pop shit. Like every album that they that they make has has a bunch of bangers on it. And I really like having a band like that that I, I'm a fan of. Yeah, it's nice to have a band like that too where you will kind of fade out for a few years and then you return and you say, I wonder what they've done while I've been gone. And you love everything universally. And, and it launches, it's <laughs> like for real, that's happening right now where I was like yeah. listening to music for this. And I was like, wait a minute, they're fucking great. And so I just have been going back through all their <laughs> albums and listening to it again. If you've never listened to churches, they, they rule. Just don't forget about that tricky V. Don't just search churches and your, your, your music listening program of, of choice. Cause you'll probably <laughs> find, I don't know, some sermon podcasts, I don't know what else is on there. Uh, Do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Mary says, something I appreciate every day is how considerate other parents are in the parking lot of the daycare I take my daughter to. Without fail, everyone leaves an empty space between cars to make it easier to load and unload kids. Parking lots tend to be stressful and weirdly competitive places, so to see such a consistent and thoughtful cooperation is wonderful. I do miss this. Oh, yeah. Henry's not back in daycare, but we had him in a couple for a couple years there. And it always was weird. Like, I think it's honestly more like I don't want to make myself the asshole of the whole (laughs) student body uh, by, you know, being a jerk during drop off. Yeah. No, I've never really thought about that, but it's true. I remember that fondly of just like, oh, I have so much space here to pull my child who may or may not want to be here yeah. out of the car. And also like if somebody's like pulling out of the parking lot, like I'm always super 
slow to like, yeah, please, you go ahead. You go ahead because we're going to see each other again. Our kids (laughs) might end up being best friends, so I can't burn you right now. Uh, One more from Braxton who says, one thing that I find wonderful is that since working from home, I get to see the garbage truck come by our house every week. I'm always amazed to see the speed at which the drivers can line up their trucks with the cans, and it's quite fun to see the robot arm shake the cans midair. It reminds me of what it felt like to see those big machines go by as a kid. I mean, those big machines didn't have the, the wild robot arms that they do now. I got to tell you, I am very thoughtful to the distancing between cans because of that robot arm. Yeah. I think a lot about it. Um, I, I have a lot of uh, say yeah. in the placement, I would say, because I, I tend to be the one to remember to bring the trash out. And I'm very thoughtful. Like I actually, in my head, try and, and create six feet in my mind so that I can give enough space for that robot arm. See, I put them close together and you know why? Because I'm cyberpunk as fuck. And I'm fighting <laughs> the system. This is the system? The AI garbage eaters that are taking away our freedoms one by one. And you think about it and you're like, ha ha, Griffin, very funny joke for another one of your funny podcasts. But here in a few years, when, what next? Recycling trucks come by mm-hmm. to eat up all our bottles and cans. Mm-hmm. And then what happens next? When the garbage trucks are, are all of a sudden doing your eye exam for doing you. Doing our eye exam. Just opening your lids and, then and what's, turning them. What's that coming down the street now? It's the free thought truck. They just <laughs> scoop, up, scoop up my liberties and dump them right in the back. Crush them down into a little Yeah, cube. putting the cans close together should solve that. Uh-huh. I feel like you've got, you've got it right there. You've figured it out. No hacking involved. Just put those cans oh, close together. Oh, there's a little bit of trash hacking. <laughs> If you know what I mean, I put a, put little viruses in the in an old can of soda. Oh, okay, okay. So that when the truck eats up the old soda, that's a funny joke right now. It gets the well. No, I don't mean like sickness viruses. I mean computer viruses. Jesus. Anyway, somebody's not a console cowboy in cyberspace. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening. And thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to Maximum Fun oh for hosting God. our show. Yeah. You want to talk about cyberpunk. There's nothing more cyber or punk than this amazing group of podcasts. <laughs> uh, we should talk about shows. Yeah. Uh, triple click. It's real good. A lot of video games happening right now. I'm sure they have way more salient thoughts about the Cyberpunk 2077 video game than I could generate. Uh, so. I actually meant live shows. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, shit, as long as we're at it, though, um, Stop Podcasting Yourself is a really good show. You and know I love that show. I know you do. Literally every time I walk by you when you're doing some some errand or chore, you are listening to Stop Podcasting Stop Yourself. Stop Podcasting Yourself and Jordan Jesse Go are both right on that 666 episode. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a uh, The Giant Bombcast, another podcast I listen to. They just hit 665. So, like, I guess all these shows started at the exact same time no. and are all about to hit the. Do you think that that's the apocalypse gonna happen? The pod. <laughs> the pod. You got a lot of theories over there today, the pod cast lips. Oh, no. Okay, anyway, we have a bunch of shows coming up. December yeah. 19th. And you can still get tickets yes. for Candle Nights. Candle Nights are a Candle Nights charity special. Uh, you can find tickets at Uh 
uh, or I think the family. There's a lot of ways to get there. And me and Rachel have very brutal fights about this every episode. And we've gotten a lot of complaints <laughs> that it's getting hard to listen to. Uh, but yeah, we have a bunch of special guests and all the shows got together to make a this very fun holiday This is a holiday, holiday spectacular to end all holiday spectaculars. Well, holy shit. I mean... I'm really going to oversell it because I think it will deliver. Okay. Well, it's uh, tickets are $625 uh, and all that goes to charity. It's pay what you want with a minimum uh, uh, donation of 625 And then you get to watch this fun thing. We have so many uh, guests and, and, and skits friends, and sketches, skits and, and, sketches and uh, you're going to like it. And then uh, me and Rachel are doing a wonderful live show the week, uh, the week after that, I think. Yeah, so it is December 29th. Mm. Yeah, 9 p.m. ET. Wow, we're really cutting it close. We're really banking on Henry not waking up during that special. I know, I know. We may, we may want to set up a backup plan for that. Like what? I don't know. We have the one person that's allowed in our house come sit in our yeah, house. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> uh, so tickets can be uh, purchased at McElroy.family, uh, and they're five bucks each, and all that goes to benefit Austin Batcave. Yeah, so Austin Batcave, much to the chagrin of a lot of bat enthusiasts, is actually a writing program for young people. Uh, they go out into the schools. Lately, they've been offering a lot of online programming, but it is all too nurture the creative talent of young people it's uh, a really really great organization it's a cool griffin's been involved for years and i just kind of got on board to literally get on the board yeah <laughs> and i've just been really impressed with the work that they're doing to uh really kind of you know support the growth of of young people as they kind of find their their voice and tell their story yeah that's very cyberpunk too if you think about it <laughs> okay I'm starting to realize I may not know what cyberpunk means, <laughs> even though I just did a whole thing about it. Like when I use my phone and I do Apple Pay at the gas station when I'm buying like sweets and gummies for myself, mm-hmm. is that cyberpunk? Mm-hmm. Is that when I use my card at the gas station machine instead of going inside and paying for the pump? That's cyberpunk, baby. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. When I am at uh, the grocery store and I'm dodging the ones and zeros. Oh man. Is that cyberpunk? Yeah, because they'll they'll bonk you. Yeah. Won't they? <laughs> For sure. When I'm at the library mm-hmm. and I have to put on that headset that drill does the wires into my brain <laughs> so that I can absorb all human knowledge and at once. But then uh-huh. I say, No thanks, corporations. Yeah. And then they're like, this is a library? And I'm like, that's exactly what a corporation would say uh-huh. to me. Uh, that's a cyberpunk. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.